Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and finding other women and men who lift women up is my favorite thing to do. Their stories are inspiring, and they help each one of us understand that we can succeed if we support one another in our work and in our life. These amazing conversations also gave me the stories and the wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they also continued to inspire me with my newest book, which came out in 2019, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. Now, this week, I'm pleased to welcome Beth Cyril. Beth is a perfect role model for how successful women lead mission-driven and pragmatic lives. Beth has demonstrated her ability to deliver exceptional results from human resources and financial capital. Beth is currently the president and CEO of the Jewish Community Foundation in San Diego. Beth has turned around a culture from top-down leadership to one that supports entrepreneurship, initiative, and intelligent risk-taking by increasing the assets under management more than 60%. In the meantime, she has increased the foundation's visibility, turning to JCFCD into San Diego's sustainable goal into becoming the largest philanthropic funder, granting $100 million annually, with 70% going to secular causes. Beth describes the foundation as a social change agent, helping people to leverage their resources to create the world they want to live in. Prior to moving to San Diego, Beth served as the president CEO of Pacific Community Ventures in San Francisco, where she built the organization through significant growth to create economic opportunity in low-income communities. She received James Irwin Foundation Leadership Award in 2015, recognizing Californians who are advancing solutions to critical issues facing the state. She was named the Forbes list of 30 top social entrepreneurs in 2012 and to the San Francisco Business Times list of most influential women in business in 2013. Beth is also an accomplished speaker and is the author of Creating Your Life Collage, Strategies in Work Life, which was published in 2000 and has contributed to several publications, including the Huffington Post. So, wow, Beth, wonderful work. I'm so pleased to welcome Beth Cyril, my sister social agent, to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Welcome, Beth. Well, Beth, welcome. Excited to talk to you. You're doing some amazing things in San Diego. And... um, you know, this this 30 minutes is about you and what you're doing in the world to make this a better place for all of us to live in, especially people that live down there in San Diego. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Nancy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, this is what I always start out with. And since you, you said you had listened to some of these conversations, I always start out with the personal story because there's always the reason that I do this is because when we share, especially when women share their stories with one with one another about who they are, where they come for, come from, and why they do what they do, there's always an immediate connection. I've never failed mm-hmm. when I've talked to anybody to say, tell me about yourself. What do you do? Why, why do you do that? Or what, what's your passion? What are you excited about? 
And that is always the glue that really connects all human beings, men, women, boys, girls, but, but especially women, when we really share our stories, which women don't always do. They, we don't always give you all those particulars. I think men are much better at, at you know, you've got their handicap, you've got their <laughs> make, where, where they went to school. You know, women are, we're, we're not quite as, we're not quite as forthcoming sometimes about those things. So I always find when you tell me about you, then we will get to know you and why you're doing the amazing things in the world that you are. So let's talk about you. How did you get to be the Beth I'm talking to right now? Well, I had the good fortune to be born to my parents. I have a lot of, I have a lot of really good genetics from that standpoint. I was hugely blessed, but um, you know, I, uh, I was born in Boston um, and I was born into a family that my mother in particular had really strong feelings about how the world ought to operate. And uh-huh. um, while I was raised in a, in a Jewish home, it, it wasn't a particularly religious home or anything, but my mother always used to say that you could summarize Judaism in th- three sentences. We were uh-huh. slaves in Egypt. We were freed. It's our obligation to ensure that no other people suffers a similar fate. And she would say, Absolutely. you know, all the rest of it is just ritual and, you know, it's important, but really at the heart of it, it's about how we take care of our fellow people. Um, and yeah. that's not Jewish people, that's people, people. And so right. I, you know, I did, you know, grow up, I, you know, went to college and graduate school, went to graduate school twice. Um, but, you know, and I worked in, in, in the private sector for a number of years. And, and one day I just kind of woke up and I was just clear that I needed my work to be consistent with my values, which had to do with making the world a little bit better than I found it. And so I, and so for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, sort of the second half of my career, you know, I have been very um, dedicated in various ways to improving the world for women and for men. But, you know, I, I do have a special interest in, you know, wanting to support women because if women don't look out for women, no one's going to look out for us. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And so having significance in my work, so for a number of years I ran a social enterprise in San Francisco that was all about in, investing to create jobs for people in lower income communities or what we call underestimated mm-hmm. communities. So that, you know, because having a job like and being that. able to I support like yourself. Oh, underestimated? Like yeah, yeah, I well, like that. Uh, oftentimes people talk about underserved communities and we're really talking about lower income communities, but really they're underestimated communities because given access, I'm going to adopt that. Yeah. I like, you know, given access to capital and some mentorship that, you know, many other communities take for granted, those communities will thrive. And so I, for a while, you know, worked in, in that arena. And then in, in the last several years, I have run a community foundation down here in San Diego, where we, uh, as a community foundation, we work with about a thousand families and individuals in, in helping wow. them to be very effective philanthropists. And uh, in addition, we manage philanthropic assets. We're kind of like a philanthropic bank, you know, and and sure. all the assets that we manage, just under $600 million, those are all the, the assets of, of nonprofits, the symphony and museums and Planned Parenthood sure. and lots of nonprofits, you know, that we're, we sort of steward assets for them and, and help them build their capacity. And we 
are very active with our donors to help them. And we always, we always say at the Jewish Community Foundation in, in San Diego, we say we believe in the power of every individual to make a difference and that collectively we can change the world. And oh, so absolutely. we help indiv- we help individuals be effective in changing the world around the causes that matter to them. But at the same time, it's our job to surface the, pre- the most pressing issues and really encourage people sure. to come together to address the most pressing issues. So, you know, big issues in uh, economic opportunity for everybody, a quality job that pays a living wage, affordable housing, homelessness. These are San Diego's biggest, you know, biggest issues. So we tend to educate our donors and try to provide opportunities, particularly around those kinds of issues. We do run a women's foundation as well, which is a group of women who come together um, particularly around funding and taking care of women and girls, um, which, as I said, is you know is certainly um, near and dear to my heart. And we have a, a, a lot of women who are philanthropic. I I don't know if you've ever seen any of the studies, but women are, tend to be more generous than men. Well, we we know what the issues are, and therefore we're willing to put our money into those to to resolve and solve those issues. And I think that's again the the uniqueness of women especially when we get into leadership roles of making a difference that That's we do right. know. We, we understand the problems and the issues and what needs to happen to resolve that. And also very good about collaborating and connecting. Let me throw something at you because I think this is, I've been involved with foundations all my life. Uh, I have two foundations of my own. I've been on the community foundation in a, in a community. I'm very familiar with donor advisory funds. I'm, I'm familiar with mm-hmm. all of these things because because of course I've been on a, a, a foundation board, but also I have two foundations of my own. But um, when when we talk about the term not for profit, I don't like that. I I call them social profit organizations because if we if all of our 501c3 organizations disappeared, we would be in serious serious jeopardy. If if any community lost their 501c3, which right. is their, Social profit organizations. So right. I'm going to give you. I'm going to throw that one at you, and you can decide what you want to do with it. Yeah. But I mean, we we talk about social enterprises a lot. Yes. Um, social enterprise because there reframing. is. Well, yeah, and and part of that is that you know you can call it a nonprofit, but every organization has to sustain itself financially, whether you want to call yeah. it a profit or or not. Yeah. If I don't bring in at least as much revenue as I have in my expenses, I'm not going to survive. And sure, then it doesn't sure. matter how much good I do because I'm going to go up, I'm going to disappear. You know, we have a yeah. nice saying that you'll probably like, no margin, no mission. Yeah. You know, if you, if you can't pay for well, yourself, if you, you yeah. know, then you're gone. Yeah, business is business. You you have to have, you have to keep the doors open, you have to have a your operational dollars, but we also know many donor advisory funds are directed dollars. So there is always that uh, give and take when we when we talk about all these different funds. Okay, so so your your foundation, which uh, uh, of course I, I see that you've just you've had 50 years uh, of celebrating 52. your yeah 52, fantastic. I mean, so you really are kind of a you've got your finger on the pulse of the community, which which of course is the most important thing that any of us can do. Especially, you know, what we don't know, we can't do anything about. That's right. And what I I often hear people say, I really, really want to help, but I don't know how. Right. And and so so part of the challenge, of course, with a foundation, of course, 
of course, a huge foundation like yours is is helping people to understand how they can help. I mean, you talk about many ways that you do that. Right. And, you know, I mean, some of it is just sitting down with people and really getting them to examine what they care about. Yeah. You know, what what's they're passionate about. Because even Bill Gates, you know, even Bill and Melinda Gates can't solve every problem. No, no. Uh, you know, I don't know. If you, if you haven't watched the Netflix documentary on Bill Gates, you should. Um, but he says, you know, he talks about all the work that they're doing, and he's, you know, he has to collaborate because he says, even I can't. I mean, the problems are enormous, and so you have to pick what you're passionate about and then how you want to have an impact on this thing that you're passionate about. Yeah. And, and then we try to help you, you know, decide where to go, you know, from there. And most people, when they think about, improving the world they think about you know charity and yeah. and volunteering but there's also how you invest your money and how you spend your money you know yeah. you, you know when you go shopping you know or when you know when you read in the newspaper that a particular company is polluting or you know whatever it is you know you and and it's impossible to know the business practices of the company of every consumer product that we purchase but sure. there are some some indicators and and you know you can start to pay more attention to the companies that are particularly responsible or um sure. you know really environmentally sound or uh, the companies that uh treat women especially well that have women on their boards that mm-hmm. um that have programs that really uh, advance women in their careers not you know many corporations have a lot of women in the lower rungs of the company, but then when you get into middle and senior management, the, the ranks of women really thin out. Yeah. And well, you're you're right on my topic. That's what I do: women's leadership. So why don't why don't we begin again there? The projections are many many women in the future will be major wealth managers in our country for the first time in our history. Major major wealth managers. Of major dollars in our country. So, what's the trends? What are you seeing right now? As far as again, we've got to we've got to prepare for that. We have to. The more knowledgeable we are, and how our dollars and our passion and our purpose can make a difference, especially for all of us. You know, it's interesting, and I, and I don't have the exact statistic in front of me, um, but you know, there's several trillion dollars are going to change hands in coming years sure. as Absolutely. baby boomers pass. And assets move to their children. Men tend to die before their wives, so a lot of these assets will go to the wives before they go to the children. So women sure. will be the larger recipients of these assets. I just saw, and I, I can't remember the exact statistic, which is going to irk me, but the percentage of millionaires in this country that are women is like 35 or 40 percent. It's a big number that you know of women that are starting you know that are, that really do have wealth to manage and yeah. it's incumbent upon them to really ask the questions i mean most people of any sort of means will have some kind of financial advisor and i mean i know when i talk to mine i ask all the time you know you know how can we fit responsible investing into our portfolio what do you have that's a fund that would fit in that that has a gender lens on it, you know, that yeah. where it, where they're looking not just at the financials of the companies as they create a mutual fund, but 
you know, I mean, there, there's definite evidence that says that companies that have diverse boards have better performance. Absolutely. So, and there are, you know, obviously at kind of mainstream investment levels of mutual funds, um, there's not as many options as, you know, as you become, you know, as wealthier people have larger portfolios, they have access to more sophisticated investments. There are now some private equity funds that are focused on women CEOs and, and companies that are predominant or founded by women. There are funds that are focused on particular areas that benefit women. I know there's a new, um, a new fund out there that is investing in companies that are innovating around women's reproductive health. Sure. And, and, and we, increasingly they say that women are, we're going to get to a place in the not too distant future where women are going to make almost 90% of investing decisions. Cause even in some couples, you know, women sometimes manage well, these things. Yeah. yeah and absolutely. so well, we're, it, we're already, we're already making 85% of as far as what we buy. And it, the that's right. That we, that we have. So, so again, when we it's get not a big stretch. money, it's, it's not a big stretch, but again, women have to be educated. This is something that, we talk about in the women's in women's leadership is women don't have the relationship with money that men often have. A hundred percent. And so that is the education I believe that's most important is that, you know, I personally like uh, having money. I personally like what money can do. Money, money for yeah. me is a vehicle. It's a vehicle. That's it's, right. It's something that, that I can use to do to make my life and, and hopefully the life lives of other people better. And and I think this relationship is is something that women have to get more comfortable with. Sure, you can be a bleeding heart, but it's okay to be a bleeding heart that also has a lot of cash on the side. You know, I mean, so I think that's part of that's going to be part of our our education or part of our our purpose is and, and drive to help women become better, not educated not only about investing, but the fact that that their relationship with money is extremely key as to how they approach anything in their lives. Right. Well, money, you know, it is a vehicle. And it, you know, what is the old saying? You know, money, money doesn't buy happiness, but it, it does buy flexibility. <laughs> yeah, well, it could, it could buy a little of that still, you know. I mean, let's say. Well, they, I mean, all the, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, there's a, there, all the studies show that, you know, a certain amount of money is required for, you know, a certain amount of happiness. But the incremental return or increase in happiness as you get wealthier doesn't really hold. Um, no, it's, no, you know, it's no. difficult if you're if you're living in poverty. The stresses make it extraor- yeah. extraordinarily difficult. Once you've you've covered your needs and you're comfortable, more money doesn't make you more happy, but it does sometimes no. make it no. make you have more and allow you to have more flexibility to pursue things that do make you happy. Yeah. Well, Maslow's chart, chart shows over. That's again, right. Once, once we have. Uh, safety, security, food, shelter, all the basics in life, then we can start to think about uh, self and, and improving self and improving our worlds. But until those things are solved and taken care of, and I think that's why poverty is the key. I mean, one of the biggest things that we have to overcome in our country is poverty. Is poverty. You know, and, it and, is one of the biggest know, things we talk about here because poverty is a huge issue um, in San Diego at large, it's a huge issue in the San Diego, in the Jewish community in San Diego, but it's, you know, it's a huge issue broadly yeah. in San Diego. Um, but, but you're talking, now, what was the term that you used as far as in, uh, the term 
underestimated the, communities? The, the underestimated communities, though, once given a hand up, not uh, a hand out, start to move through that Maslow's chart. Well, that's to, right. To the point of, of being self-sufficient so and becoming might, and, and, and lifting other women as they come along. That's right. So the Jewish Community Foundation in San Diego, we operate from a place of Jewish values, but 80% of the money that is granted from the Jewish Community Foundation goes to secular causes. And a lot of our donors are, are not Jewish. I mean, we pride ourselves in real white glove service and you know, really sure. take care of our, of our donors. Some of our donors don't even live in San Diego. Um, but they like some of the, you know, the particular offerings. We've very, we have some very unique impact investing opportunities that, that some people are, are drawn to. Um, but we operate from a place of Jewish values. And um, you might find it interesting to know that in the, sage, in the Jewish sages, there are eight levels of charity. And the highest level of charity is to give someone a loan or a job so that they can become self-sufficient and begin contributing yeah to the community. That's the highest level of charity. And so we, you know, I think about that a lot and we think about that um, a lot because once someone can take care of themselves, then all of a sudden they have more confidence in terms of how they're raising their children. That has generational impacts. And so that, that having a job and, you know, being able to take care of yourself and your family just changes everything. It's number one. I mean, you know, if you have a job that pays a living wage, you tend to have better access to health care, better access to healthy food. I mean, there's a reason why obesity is a big issue amongst the poor and access to health care, you know, is such a problem. Well, well, let's face it, Beth, if we all started out on the very same page as far as our health care, our education, our security, our, you know, everything... if we, you know, if, and if we did all that, uh, we wouldn't have the issues that we're dealing with today. There would not be that controversy. That would not be that that whole mentality of they have more than I have. You know, I mean, it's and I, and I think women get that. And you know, and and we haven't really gotten into some of the things that are probably key here, which is women empowerment. And I call that, by the way, Beth, the power to. Women are very, very good when they understand they've always had the power to. Women's well, leadership is ba- based on having a voice, but the power to. And and we also, women are better at power with as opposed to power over. Yep, yep. Same um, thing. I just, power to, um, power with. Same I thing. just was, I had, I had flagged this before our conversation because I thought it might come up. So 45% of American millionaires are women, and by 2030, two-thirds of U.S. wealth will be under the control of women. Women are expected Woo-hoo. to inherit 70% of the $41 trillion in intergenerational wealth to transfer over like the next it. several years. So Woo-hoo. educating women about the power of money, whether it be philanthropic money, spending money, investment dollars, uh, how you or, earn or it, just, spend it, give it away, yeah, uh, et cetera, and then ask, is and then very powerful. For what you, asking for what you want. And I think still continues to be the, the yeah, issue that women don't ask for what they want. That's in their jobs and, and in their communities. But until we, until we start really being clear of, of what we're doing, and I guess, yes, again, the money. Well, I mean, and it's also, you know, you, most things in our society are demand-driven. So if you want something, you've got to ask for it. So as an example, yeah. so we yeah. have an investment committee that manage, you know, and an investment advisor who 
you know, a whole process by which we manage the assets that we are responsible for. And whenever we consider a fund manager to allocate some assets to, I always go and look at their management team and I say, where are the women? And, you know, our investment advisor has said, you know, you're not the only one asking. I have people, you know, we're really putting the word out because when investment managers find out that the people who just control the money care about women being making these decisions, they'll start hiring women. And if there aren't women to hire, they'll train them because their customer is demanding it. And so we have, as, as women, you know, we empower each other by standing up and, and demanding the products and services and, you know, access that we want. Yeah. And for yeah. better or worse, money has a way of greasing the heels of access. Yeah. Well, right now, and I'll just share this with you because I'd love for you to, to participate, be involved. We have a campaign, Women Connect for Good, and is partnering with Take the Lead, which is Women's Leadership uh, training and curricular program to lift as you rise. And this is the thing, as women That's lift, right. I mean, as, as women, as you rise, you lift other women. And this is the, the whole key is to understand, uh, you know, I, I had this woman one time, she goes, this woman just keeps bothering me at work. She just follows me around. She, she asked me all these questions. She said, I think she wants my job. I said, no, you know what it sounds like? I think she wants to learn, and I think yep. she wants you to, to help her. And she stopped in her tracks and looked at me as if I had just fallen out of the sky. And then later when I saw her, she says, you know, you're absolutely right. But we have to, we have to lift other women as we rise. You know, Madeleine Albright said there's a special place in hell for that's women right. who do not support each other. And I, I think agree. that still continues, Beth. One well, of our key issues you know, is that we support ourselves, but we support other women, right. too, and as we one of the one of the things I wanted to share with you is we just recently enabled our donors to make an investment in something called a Women's Empowerment Loan Fund. And it is it is an investment. It pays a small bit of interest, and then you get uh-huh. your capital back. But it is uh-huh. a fund that is lending money to underestimated or low low income women entrepreneurs, yeah, mostly women perfect, of color. Perfect. And yeah. um, I put out the word to our women's foundation, to members of our women's foundation. I said, we have this fund. This is what it does, and who it helps, and how it works. And inside of twenty minutes, I had filled my allotment. Well, maybe yeah. not 20 minutes, yeah. an hour. But, you know, within it, very quickly, people emailed back and said, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. So, you know, well, we, it, absolutely. It, and I want, you know, listeners to know that if you want to know, if you want to learn how to bring a Women's Empowerment Loan Fund to your community, you know, come to our website at um, jcfsandiego.org. Um, and my email is, you know, if you, if you go to our, our team page, you'll find my email and I'm happy to connect you and share with you how we got that fund off the ground because I think every community ought to have a women's empowerment loan fund and a women's foundation. Uh, I think I think it's fantastic. Uh, I was going to talk about your dreams and your goals, but you've already talked about it. You just, you just went right into it like a, like a like a pro as you as I expected you to. So so what what would be your absolute dream and your goal? Uh, you know, if everything that we've talked about came to fruition, that came into reality, what would? How would you see the world? What would? What, how would it look different to you? Well, so two things I'll share. One is if I told my husband if I die before him that I wanted my tombstone to say, 
capitalism functions better because she lived. Because I believe in the market. <laughs> and I think the market does enable yeah. us to, to have great inventions. And think of all the wonderful things we have in our lives that, that people invented because they had an incentive in, in profit. And so I, I really, I want to see a, a capitalism where we're incenting people to profit and to be creative and to generate ideas and products and services, but I want to discourage greed. I think there yeah. is a big difference between profit and greed, and I think yeah. we've lost sight of that. You know, early in American history, I think people understood the difference between profit and greed, and now I think we have, we have kind of lost sight of that. So I would like to see much more level – I mean, in my ideal world, you know, there's truly equal opportunity for everyone, and, yeah. and we would eradicate yeah. – institutional bias and we would eradicate people's fear of other because most racism yeah. and discrimination is about fear of other and i would well, eradicate you know i'd eradicate that if i could yeah the pie there's lots of pieces to the pie there's enough to go around and, right and the again, only, when you come well you know if you come from a place of scarcity and fear then you're going to react that way and again that's, that's right going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a, a, a backlash with that. But if you come to a place with bu- abundance already, and I, and I think that's it's a mindset. Tr- yeah, when women come to uh, come to the forefront with ob- abundance and the and the, the desire to collaborate and to connect and to really help one another, and, and men as well, uh, anything is possible. And and that's the fun part. It's when you actually right. find, and I'm sure that's the fun part for you when you see all these different changes working working together and it's exciting exciting right the only thing i want to add to that is i think you know there's always going to be some people in a society that even with with a level playing field of opportunity for whatever reason whether it be health or just you know whatever let there some people are differently able and need different help and i think we always you know we have to have a catch-all support system so that no one lives there, there there is no reason that when i leave the theater in downtown san diego on any given evening and walk back to my car that i step over 10 people who are homeless like sure. that's unacceptable and and so there's got to be as a society it's our obligation to ensure uh, that we're able to provide human dignity and, and a base level of living for every member yeah. of society yeah I came from a family also that the uh, the philosophy and the mission of our family was you help those in need, you help those that right, that mine need too. Help. And, well, that's where yeah, that's where we started. You know, it's, it's our obligation to ensure that no other people yeah. suffers a similar fate. That's our responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Uh, you know, I know I I hope to meet you sometime. I know Jack I, is. Jack is such 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 a connector, such a character. Oh, but, he uh, is indeed. We love him. Yes, everybody <laughs> loves Jack. <laughs> Nobody doesn't like Jack. But, That's uh, right. Him, but but uh, all right. Once again, Beth, please tell us how to learn more about the foundation, what you're doing, and this Women uh, Empowerment Foundation and the Women's Empowerment. Our website is at www.jcfsandiego.org, and my, my email is beth at jcfsandiego.org. It is a Women's Empowerment Loan Fund that we've put up here in San Diego with some collaborating with several other, actually, women in the city to get this up and running. And if people are interested in learning about our Women's Foundation or our Women's Empowerment Loan Fund or some of the other work, if you want to bring that to your community, let me know, and, and we will help you do that. Fantastic. 
Well, if we can help continue to help you as far as what you're you're projecting and doing in the world to make a change and to make the world a better place, let us know because thank uh, you. We're all we're as my book says, we're all in this together. We we're are in all together. in this together. That is absolutely <laughs> the truth and I really appreciate your getting a chance to get to know you a little bit and if I can help yeah. you in your philanthropy or your social change efforts in any way, let me know. And well, I really appreciate your including me. Okay, well, the Lift As We Rise campaign is a pretty big deal. So if there's anything that you could do to continue to, it's our movement, it's our way of everything that we do is, is again, helping to empower women. Yep, but to lift I will at, go. Lift, um, lift As We Rise. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Beth. It's been delightful. You give Jack a big big hug for me and I will uh, thank you hopefully we, we will meet in the future and, and again if something comes up that you would like for us to to collaborate connect with and or again something we can do to assist please let us know will do you too thank you